Hi, it's Mark Bittman, and welcome to Food. As always, you can reach us at food at markbittman.com, and we'd love to hear from you with questions, answers, suggestions, whatever you like. Please subscribe to the podcast and comment or rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And remember our near-daily newsletter, The Bitman Project, which you can subscribe to at markbitman.com or bitmanproject.com. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we get started today, I wanted to formally introduce my co-host, Kate Bittman, who is obviously my daughter and has been working closely with me on the Bittman Project and on the podcast, of which she's the producer for months slash years now. And it's been a great experience, and we wanted to um, give credit where it's due and bring Kate formally into the co-host role and um, say how happy we both are about that. We have an unusual or maybe usual or maybe both father-daughter relationship and working together has really been a joy for both of us. So I hope you enjoy the brightness and wisdom she brings to every episode as much as I do. It's peculiar that I'm talking about this now because it's about as organic a segue into today's episode as anyone could hope for. We have with us half of one of the funniest and lovable father-son 
teams we've seen in a long, long time, now that I think about it, maybe ever. Did Eugene and Dan Levy pop into your head immediately? Because if they did, you're right. Today, the lovely, incomparable Dan Levy is with us, and we can hardly believe it either. I've been a fan of Eugene Levy, who's my contemporary, for as long as he's been working. I watched Splash with Kate a lot when she was little. That's obviously just the tip of the iceberg. Eugene Levy has always had an outstanding presence and gives off such warmth and charm that it's really no wonder that he's got a son like Dan. As you probably know, the two starred together on Dan's show, Shit's Creek, which began in Canada. They are Canadian, these people perhaps even modestly compared to what it became, but then blew up because it was so funny and touching and wonderful. And as we talk about a lot in this episode, in which I say unapologetically kind, it's a very generous and loving show, and surprisingly so. Dan has, of course, become a superstar in his own right, and his new unscripted show, The Big Brunch, which focuses on the meal Dan loves best and the only one he can cook, he says, and although he also claims to have a copy of How to Cook Everything on his bookshelf, and which celebrates the chefs in this world who deserve being celebrated, comes out tomorrow on HBO Max. If for some reason you don't know Dan Levy, I can't imagine you won't want to know him after you listen to this. For those of you who are familiar with his work, he's as much of a salve as you'd hope a wonderful person who clearly had a great upbringing. So today is uh, Father-Child Day on Food with Mark Bittman. Enjoy this, because Kate and I sure did. Is it Levy or Levy? It's, it's Levy, Levy right? but it's, I feel like in America, a lot of people say Levy. But it's, yeah, but you're Canadian. Canadians say Levy. Canadians say, let's go with that. Um, Upstate New York people say Levy, by the way. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad that whatever subsection of the tribe <laughs> made its way there is representing the Canadian side. Um, we're really happy you could join us. Thank you. Oh, I'm thrilled um, to be here. And we're, you know, we're happy to have an excuse to talk about the Big Brunch and just catch up a little bit. So anyway, the Big Brunch is your new show. Yeah. Which uh, celebrates ten chefs, mm-hmm. each of whom is making a difference in their community and all of whom you had a hand in selecting. Can you tell us a little bit about that selection process, how you went about finding these people? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the idea for the show really came from having friends in the culinary world, many of whom were affected by the pandemic and all of whom I find to be tremendously inspiring. I feel like Maybe it's because my greatest love in this world is food and that people who serve me delicious food, I immediately have such a close emotional connection with. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Um, But during that time, I felt like, what could I do for not just my friends, but what could, is, is there some way that I could celebrate these types of people because I love them very dearly and pitched this show, which is essentially a cooking competition, but more so in a way, a kind of docu-series that is telling the stories of 10 uh, local chefs who are doing just that, making making a big impact in their communities and giving them the platform to tell their stories, giving them the opportunity to potentially leverage whatever it is they want to do 
giving them that platform across North America to be able to be seen. And then in the end, they're competing for $300,000, which was, again, an important element of it all to me because I felt like you can't just ask people to come and take time out of their lives to do all of this if you're not going to quite literally change their life with an amount of money that can take whatever it is in terms of their individual business dreams and, and take it to the next level in a very legitimate way. So when it came down to casting the show, it was really about meeting everybody, hearing their stories first, and then getting them on the on the phone. And then ultimately these sort of Zoom auditions where we would meet them and talk to them. And there's a, a lot of sensitivity around that casting process because what you don't want to do is put someone out there that's not going to be able to process, handle, navigate what comes next. So finding people who had great stories to tell, who obviously were willing to share their, their stories on a, on a pretty large platform and be willing to accept what comes next. And it was quite amazing, the stories that we were let in on and the people we got to meet and and the 10 chefs that we ended up finding were so incredible, not just individually, but as a, as a collective. It was the, the collective kind of grouping of people who all had really good intentions and who all wanted to kind of help. When you put those people together, it could bring a tear to your eye. It's just like, especially this was really coming out of the end of the pandemic where I think most of us had kind of lost steam and we were a bit hardened by it and skeptical and had chips on our shoulder and we're losing faith in our world. And, you know, even me to an extent, like making this show as excited as I was, you do hear chatter of like, well, you, you're, you're someone who lives in the scripted world space. Like, why are you hosting an unscripted cooking competition? Like, is this really what you should be doing? And that kind of dialogue ends up affecting you in a way. And I thought, well, did I, is, am I doing something weird here? Like, what is it? Then we made the show. And you realize in those moments that everything happens in your life for a reason. And those 10 people and making the show, not to sound kind of maudlin, but it, it restored, quite literally restored my faith in people. Watching them cook watching them help each other, watching them share the their ups and their downs. It was so moving and inspiring. And my greatest hope with the show is that people get to feel that same level of warmth. I feel the exact same way. And first of all, I never thought it was weird that you were hosting. I was like, whatever he does, I will follow him. Um, <laughs> you have brought... You have brought my family so much joy. But I also, I was pretty taken with the show because full disclosure, I generally do not like competition shows. They stress me out. Like, especially cooking competition shows are kind of tough for me. And I feel like there's always a villain. It feels very plotted in a way that I find manipulative. Mm. What was interesting to me or what was one of the interesting things for me when I was watching The Big Brunch is that, you know, there's a million different reasons why Schitt's Creek is so beloved. But I think a big thing, because I've talked to a lot of people about this, and this is a known thing, is that there's just this thread of kindness that runs through it. 
you know, everybody who it's a warm show. Um, mm. And I think that you've done that with the big brunch too. And oh. I'm sure that that's intentional on your part, but I was really taken with how supportive the chefs all were of each other. There were yeah. so many, I love yous and hugs and yeah. um, it wasn't boring, you know, because of that you think, Oh, it's like so positive. Is it going to be boring? But it just worked. So I just want to thank you for being able to put such positivity out there in a way that keeps us entertained. And I'm curious uh, to know if that's a conscious decision on your part and sort of how you started off along that path. Gosh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. And tell your family I say hello. <laughs> and I'm so <laughs> glad that the show meant something to you. It certainly meant something to me. I think I think what my dad and I set out to do with Schitt's Creek, the show began in an right at the tail end of an era where I think edgy comedy was always kind of at someone's expense. There was this trend of like really mean comedy that somehow if you're not making someone feel bad, you're not making intelligent comedy or you're not making edgy comedy. And I think the amazing thing about my dad's career and I think why he's had the, the longevity and the respect that he's had is that he has done just that for his entire career. He's played loving, warm, well-intentioned characters that have that are incredibly soft, but in their softness, there's an edge because they're so unexpected. And what I did in the early days of Schitt's Creek was really sort of watch him and try to learn from him in terms of how do you find comedy in a soft place? And the answer is quite simple. You just tell the truth. You tell a story that's meaningful, that's rooted in something that's truthful. You tell characters and you always come at it from a place of honesty. And so for us going into Schitt's Creek, the biggest sort of headline that we would give anyone that came onto our show was that we are making a drama. Inherently, this is a family that's lost their money. They have to move to a place. They're completely disoriented. That is the root of the story. It is inherently tragic and dramatic. It's the circumstances. It's the combination of character and circumstance that brings comedy to a drama. And I think analyzing where I could live in the cooking competition, unscripted television world, it had to be a companion piece to what Schitt's Creek did, which was not only, I think, offer hope to people and a kind of warmth and optimism, but it was also a safe place to spend your time. You knew that it would never get too mean. You knew that it was always going to end with a happy ending. You knew that you were safe. And I love that idea in the unscripted world, telling the story of a, a you know, a, a competition show that really is about you being in competition with your own skills and being in competition with your oven and being in competition with the recipe that you brought to the table, not being in competition with one another, not pitting people against each other, not leveraging power by way of, you know, trying to one up each other, but rather just telling stories of people that are good people who want something and rewarding them in the end with the opportunity to, to take whatever it is that they want to the next level. So 
I had no idea the stories that we would end up getting from them. I had no idea just how generous they would be with each other, how kind they would be with each other. And it never, to your point, it never felt cheesy because it was genuine. What's it like behind the scenes on a cooking show or at least on your cooking show? Because, you know, you say, okay, one hour. Do they really just have one hour to do? Well, that's real. Are you guys just getting completely shit-faced in the meantime? (laughs) Well, I'll set this this up by saying, dear dear listener, if you do end up um, (laughs) watching this show, part of the brunch element of it, not only are they making their interpretation of like brunch fair, but we have a bar uh, that is servicing uh, myself, the amazing Sola Mm -hmm. El-Whaley, who is such a breath of fresh air on the show. And Will Gadara, who is, uh, you know, well-known in the hospitality industry. Um, and it, and at times it's that, that bar is servicing the chefs. We try to be as responsible as we possibly can. I think it's, <laughs> well, you're not driving cars. So exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think episode two, one of the challenges involves a cocktail or a yeah. mocktail. I would say it was kind of two thirds of them went for cocktails. One third of them went for mocktails and judging, I guess at that point, nine cocktails, (laughs) there was a point where the challenge ended and we were all just a little bit lighter on our feet than we were when we first started. But it's, again, it was important to keep that looseness. I never wanted it to feel too heavy handed and too sort of prescriptive or we were really trying to carve a, a, a fresh path through a really trodden genre of unscripted television. And, and, you know, the hope is that we succeeded in our own, in our own way. I'm sort of curious about where this kind of came from, like how the big brunch was conceived. Cause I, I, I want to say one thing about Schitt's Creek, which is that it seemed to me that it started off, off snarky that the, that the first <laughs> few episodes were like, Oh yeah, we're, we're big city people, and we're going to this hick town, and these people yeah. are just stupid, you know. And we're going to make fun of them. And then I feel like there was sort of an attitudinal change in the show. Maybe that was intentional, and maybe it just evolved. I don't know. And maybe yeah, you can comment on that or not. But here, I feel like there was never a moment where like one of the people on the big brunch was a bumbling fool or one was obviously going to be a loser or have to drop out early or, you know, whatever, drop a pot of boiling water on someone else's foot or kind of thing. (laughs) So I'm just curious what, like how much of it you thought out beforehand, what we're both kind of taken by this kindness thing, because it does feel unusual and you're obviously aware of it. Yeah. Well, I think with shits, it was, you have to kind of lay the groundwork of who people were to get them to who they're going to be. And our hope was that, yeah, these people are, we're showing them as they were. It's not pretty. They're not really (laughs) kind. Their priorities are completely misplaced. I don't even know if they have much in common as a family. I don't even know if they know the true meaning of love in the first few episodes of the show. And it's interesting because a lot of people don't make it through those first few episodes because they're kind of turned off by it, which is totally fine. But you got to lay the groundwork to earn the big character turns later in the show. 
we were given a lot of generosity by our our networks to to let it be this slow burn so that if you did choose to invest your time with the show that you would really kind of warm to these people over the course of of six seasons now i think the important thing to note and this is what relates to big brunch is that the joke was always on the rose family even though the townspeople in those first few episodes were a stark contrast to the family. The joke was always on the family. They were the ones that looked out of touch. Though They were the ones that looked pessimistic. They were the ones that that didn't quite understand the value of, of what it is to, to live properly. So when you get into a situation where you're bringing real people onto a set um, and you're asking them to be vulnerable and you're asking them to tell the story you can't ever set them up for failure or you can you can never kind of play with the trust that they have in us because you have to build that relationship in order to be able to safely tell those stories, to get them to open up to tell their stories. And the joke, I think, throughout all of Big Brunch is me, as it was in Schitt's Creek. <laughs> I'm the person that is the enthusiast. And that was by... That was that was by plan. There was always going to be uh, myself that was an enthusiast. You have Sola who is can speak to the cooking, and Will who speaks to the sort of hospitality elements of mm-hmm. it. And as the as the person that doesn't have the words to articulate why a bunt cake, you know, was underbaked, all I can kind of do is make fun of myself and my lack of information. So there is that edge to it but it's always it's always on me i think exploitation in the unscripted world is happens all the time Mm. you see all of these reality shows that are just setting people up to make themselves to you know to make fools of themselves well or to actually literally suffer (laughs) yeah and it's just not i have no interest in it thank god for you Well, you know, we need more uh, of you. It would be a hard turn if I went from Shit's Creek to just like, you know, Survivor. Exactly. (laughs) That TMZ show or something. I think it's because you're Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure a lot of Canadians would accept that. I don't know what it is. My Canadian friends definitely would. Absolutely. That's I think it's, they, they, they definitely sit on that throne of, of niceness. I'm quite fine with it. They can definitely, okay. they can own that. Great. I love it. <laughs> because so I the Canadians to- had like flapping mouths, like on South Park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. South Park is, uh, <laughs> is quite a contribution to the Canadian cultural <laughs> conversation. Canadian mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. really is. It really is. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water, and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bittman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? a tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out. 
I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I listened to the interview that you did um, with Jesse Ware on Table Manners, Mm. and you talk about your mom cooking for your family mm-hmm. and she made enchiladas and that's how the enchiladas came to be on Schitt's Creek and also about how you can't cook anything. So I'm curious, did doing the big brunch get you closer to wanting to cook or are you Absolutely still just... not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Yes, that's Absolutely the answer we wanted. Not. Is it? No, I don't I know. Think... Don't get send some cookbooks your way. Absolutely not. Here's what I love to cook. I do, and this is why the show was made. I love brunch. I love brunch foods. I love the, I love the experience of brunch. I love that it's a, it's one of the few, I don't even know what you would call it. Like a, like a culinary window in a day. It's like one of it's, it's, I think it's probably outside of something like dim sum. One of the few opportunities or tapas where the more you order is encouraged you know, dinner, it's like a starter, an entree, a main. With brunch, if you order eggs, French toast, a side of bacon, a side of spinach, a side of this, another entree, someone over there is ordering. So it's welcome. No one's judging you for it. I love having a sweet and savory going at the same time. I love a little, you know, you know, side plate of something. So I can cook brunch. So I'm, I guess I lied. I can cook a soft scrambled egg. I can cook a really nice frittata. I can customize a box pancake mix. Wait, 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 I, what's that? What do you do? You put blueberries <laughs> in, in box pancakes? Like some vanilla, some cinnamon, <laughs> like a thing of ricotta. Throw in oh, some blueberries. Well, a lot of butter in the pan tends to make a box pancake taste better. And then I do a lovely maple bacon um, in the oven. And again, it's just very easy. You just throw some maple syrup on bacon and put it in an oven. I don't even need to watch the tr- the pan. So, but anything more involved than that, and I've tried. In fact, Mark, I have your cookbook on my shelf, which I have tried. And succeeded, to be honest, but it's taken help. People have had to come over and at least share the responsibility. I guess I just had one too many experiences where I thought, okay, I'm going to spend the money on the groceries. I'm going to set it all up. I'm going to do it. And then I take an hour out of my day, an hour and a half, two hours, depending on the scope of what I'm making. And it just turns out like hot hell. (laughs) And I think to myself, I could have spent this money on 
delivery. Although one of the great conversations that we have on the big brunch, we're really not going to be, we're not going to be able to run this show, you know? It's, oh. <laughs> Why? It's Dan just too anti cooking. Yeah, we can't it's do not. it. It's, I built a show around my love of cooking. <laughs> Nobody wants to taste my cooking. It's, my, it's me. I love chefs. I love cooking. Do you have some favorite dishes that your 10 chefs? cooked can you remember some of the things you liked particularly yeah uh not the bagel not that's no there was a situation <laughs> with a pre-made bagel that was so <laughs> funny and that guy's amazing he's incredible uh, amazing there was one of the great dumplings i've had was made on that show yeah fresh dumpling is really special a great dumpling i could i could just and i did that's the other problem is I don't have anything in my brain that stops me from eating something that tastes good. So like a goldfish, I can eat until I quite literally explode. And it's. Wait, are you talking about goldfish crackers? No, like I think goldfish. Okay. If you feed them, they will eat until they die. <laughs> I thought you meant. <laughs> I thought so too. Can, like when you eat goldfish cracker. crackers, you eat no. until you'll eat. Until I was. I was sharing a very obscure and likely untrue fact about goldfish. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's what I heard once and I shared it like it's a fact. But right. I'm pretty sure <laughs> if you overfeed a goldfish, they will just keep eating, which is which is what I did. And oftentimes you'd find yourself at the end of a long day of judging food, like completely full to a point that's disturbing. I mean, I'll read you from the internet, you know, which is about as reliable as asking your cat, but <laughs> usually fish will self-regulate and not eat when it is too cold. However, some goldfish with some of the same traits as a golden retriever <laughs> will eat and eat and eat until they explode. So there you go. You got it. <laughs> Granted, it's like some goldfish, not all. But listen, there was some truth <laughs> hidden in there somewhere. Right. Um, we had great Korean fusion. There was, I mean, the amazing thing about the the chefs that we selected is they do represent so many different voices within the culinary community. There were vegan chefs. There were people cooking Cantonese. There were people cooking bakers. There were people cooking Korean, um, Haitian. Ethiopian, it was really amazing to see what brunch means to people. Because I think from an American perspective, it's quite narrow. We've seen the sort of diner brunch, but the idea of opening up the conversation and saying, okay, well, what does it mean to you mm. was really special. And to get to taste so many different perspectives in one sitting was, was amazing. And, and at times very filling. I wanted to ask if it was, what it feels like internally, the difference between acting a character. I mean, although, you know, your, your clear, your character on Schitt's Creek is clearly, well, not clearly, but seems very close to yourself, but here you're <laughs> totally. I don't, I disagree. I disagree. All right. Forget I said that. Here no, no. But here you're totally, you know, there's no, it's you, Dan. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, Dan, it, I disagree. For the record. Is it, <laughs> Listen, I love David Rose. I'll I love that. him so much. I'll take it. 
You're Maybe lucky. it's just I'm easily I'm very gullible about that uh-huh. stuff. I always think the actor is like inhabiting the character because yeah, yeah. the actor and the character are similar. So, mm. but so is is it harder to just sort of be chill, be yourself in this unscripted way, or was it was it harder to do acting uh, as in Schitt's Creek? Well, I started uh, my career on MTV as a as a like a TV host. So I did that for like eight or nine years up in Canada and never really liked it, to be perfectly honest, Um, but got to be, you know, out of sheer, just the the volume of hours that I spent doing the job got to be kind of capable at it. But I don't love the idea of, I didn't at the time love the idea of talking about pop culture. It was a means of employment in my 20s. And I was really grateful for the opportunity and loved the people that I met. And oftentimes, you know, in a situation like that, you're put in edit suites that you're producing your own work. And there was a very tactile quality to that job that lent itself to this. When it came around, I felt very at home hosting this show. And I uh, I also had the, the, the know-how from a production standpoint to kind of know... Um, how I wanted it to feel and look. I hosted the great Canadian baking show, which is the Canadian sister or brother to the great British baking show for two years, which was, which is for me was a a complete joy. Um, And also an education in how to build my own show. And that I think as well is a great example of a show that came out and succeeded because it was so kind, you know, you have the great, British Bake Off or baking show, whatever, however they call it in the territory that you're watching it, they're competing for a cake plate. Like it's <laughs> could make you cry. It's just people, just home bakers cooking for a cake plate. Great. <laughs> Life should be so kind. People want to be on television. You know that. Well, you're not wrong. Our last question is one that we ask everyone, but can I just ask you something totally random first? Since we both we both have dads who are well known in their fields. Mm-hmm. When you get on a Zoom with your dad, do you ever get distracted by his face because you keep comparing your face to his? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think most people do that for <laughs> right. Um <laughs> so now you're actually forcing me to do that because while people listening to this aren't able to see the dynamic that's going on on, on this sort of Zoom <laughs> setup, um, it's lovely similarities. <laughs> it's lovely seeing the two of you. It's a wonderful thing. And I will say, and I hope that this is the case for the two of you, and I'm hoping since we're in the middle of a really lovely chat that that the feelings are this way, but I had the most, it's a really wonderful thing to be able to work with your family and share something like this with your family and commemorate experiences like this with your family. And I, I coming out of six years of this show, I didn't quite expect how um, meaningful it would be to have shared that time with my dad that I never normally would have, sh- I wouldn't have in, a, in my wildest dreams have thought that we would have gone through what we went through and that he would somehow be tied to my success and that I would be tied to his. And it's a, it's a really lovely thing. I do totally feel, agree. Do you feel that's that? So, that's so sweet. Yeah. I totally agree. I do. And I also, we got to live, 
my husband and son and I lived with my dad for about six weeks in early COVID. And it was like, obviously a terrible time, mm -hmm. all, but the experience of being able to live together again was just so wonderful. I mean, I honestly think that that'll be, my son was four then. I think that mm -hmm. will probably be one of the, one of his like core memories, just living on the farm with, with gumps. He calls my dad gumps. That's very it, sweet. It was just so nice. Anyway. Yeah. I totally agree that. I mean, dads can be the best. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> Nothing yeah. like a dad. Nothing like, like that. Nothing like a mom. Nothing like a mom. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I moved in with my uh, sister and her dogs. And I believe her husband at one point <laughs> with my parents in our house in Toronto. <laughs> and you think, how did this happen? How are we here? We're functioning way better than we did when we were teenagers. Yes. That's yes. for sure. So at least we know we've changed for the better. <laughs> um, and I feel like my dad, by the end of it, would have just kept us there oh forever. God. That's so cute. I feel like if given the choice, he would have just opted to have us stay. Well, your sister didn't have a kid yet at that point. My sister so did not have a child. So if there was a little kid, it might, it might have changed the dynamic a little. <laughs> exactly. So our last question is the question that we ask everyone, which is, what did you have for dinner last night? This is going to be a whole... Well... Or a bunch today. I am... I had a fantastic tuna fish sandwich today. It was fantastic. Why? Because the bread was fresh as, as anything. It was a thick cut bread, fresh lettuce, Swiss cheese, a generous amount of tuna salad, a gorgeous amount of mayonnaise, in addition to the tuna salad, which for me is important. And mm -hmm. then another piece of very fresh bread. And I was in heaven. There you go. I grew up. That's all my dad could really cook <laughs> as a parent was egg salad and tuna fish, tuna salad. Granted, he does it really well, but that's his, that's his skill set. Egg salad, tuna salad. My new life goal is to have Eugene Levy make me an egg salad sandwich before I die. I can actually make that happen. You might and have to go to be... Toronto or something. Though. I'll go to Toronto. I want to move to Toronto. All he needs is an excuse to make an egg salad sandwich. <laughs> I, I, at one point, I turned on the Kelly Clarkson show, and he was showing Kelly Clarkson <laughs> how to make his egg salad sandwich. That's and great. I called, I remember thinking, did, did he even ask if they want this? Is he just now giving giving his recipe to people without anybody asking. Anyway, it was a wonderful thing. He seemed to enjoy it. So that's good. Eugene, baby. Eugene, legend. Love Kate, him. weren't Absolutely. you going to ask about Splash? I guess we'll let it go. No, we, we can let it go. We just, I watched Splash all the time growing up and uh, your, your dad was not the nice guy on that. And I just, I think, <laughs> no, he was not. It was just my favorite movie. Uh -huh. And I just always think about him in that weird role. And so I was strange. wondering what it was like for you to, to watch that movie. Like, I always wonder what it's like for kids of actors to watch their parents. I movies. didn't really watch him a lot. Yeah, I figured. We were kept up in Toronto. 
kind of would go, he would go and do his work and then he'd come home. I mean, it was really separate. It was a very different experience. It was quite great because we were just kept away. He would do his work. He would come home and, you know, and if it felt kind of exciting to, to watch something, we'd watch it. Otherwise, you know, it's just his work. I don't know. He, That's good. He's a good but, dad. Yeah, Splash was... <laughs> It's so good. It was important I think to Kate. It. it was and really important to Kate. Yeah. Well, I uh, you got to get him on here to talk about it. Yeah, we got him to talk about tuna fish sandwiches and splash. Exactly. That, there's yeah. a show that'll take up the entire podcast. <laughs> will you please get, uh, put in the good word for us? I absolutely will. That would be awesome. This has been such a delight. Um, Mark, thank you for keeping me company on a shelf in my kitchen for <laughs> even though it's useless my to you. But life. Still. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. Thanks for doing this and thanks for doing it on um, you know, with the crazy time zone stuff and everything. So of course, it was really happily. fun. This was just a delight. And I might have to call you if St. John won't let me in. Mm-hmm. So I hope that wasn't an empty no, an it's empty easy. offer. Okay. It's easy. All right. Yeah, and I'll start using your name to get into restaurants. Fantastic. <laughs> I'll corroborate any restaurant you want to get into. Okay. Yes, awesome. She's Dan Levy. 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 The classic Levy family egg salad recipe. It's pretty standard. I said to Kate, really, this is what we're doing? And she said, Dan's going to be ecstatic. So you will be too. It'll be inspiring. Um It's got the intriguing and slightly game-changing twist of grating the hard-boiled eggs. So here it is, classic Levy family egg salad. I don't even think you need a pen. So take hard-boiled eggs, mayonnaise, salt and pepper, and a bagel or some good bread. Grate the hard-boiled eggs into a mixing bowl. Season with salt and pepper. Add mayonnaise. Mix. Make sure you've got enough salt, pepper, mayonnaise. And spread on that bagel or bread open-faced. There you have it. Enjoy. I hope you had as much fun with that as we did. Thank you, thank you to our totally wonderful guest, Dan Levy, for joining us and laughing with us, making us laugh. Follow him on Instagram at InstaDanJLevy on Facebook at Dan Levy, and on Twitter at Dan J. Levy. The Big Brunch is streaming on HBO Max starting November 10th. That is this Thursday. Thank you for listening. Thanks to my co-host, Kate Bittman, who's also our producer. Thanks to our engineer, Davis Lloyd. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us comments. And Please take a look at our newsletter at bitmanproject.com or look at all things we do at markbitman.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week when we will have somebody awesome. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.